How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, we are on the road today at Tobacco Grove in Maple Grove, Minnesota for episode 176 of How About That Cigar Live, joined by our friend Jeff Hogan from Crux Cigars. Hello, hello. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Fantastic. And we are here in the mobile Drew Estate Cigar Studios. And let's remind you about the beautiful new announcement from Drew Estate that James Hetfield of Metallica and Rob Dietrich of Blackened American Whiskey just unveiled the all-new Blackened Cigars M81 by Drew Estate, an exploration into the deepest, darkest, and heaviest depths of the mystical Maduro leaf. Blackened Cigars M81 by Drew Estate presents a journey through different Maduro leaves, starting with a thick and oily San Andreas Maduro wrapper, followed by a thick and meaty Connecticut River Broadleaf Maduro Binder, and finally a blend of Nicaraguan and Pennsylvania Broadleaf Maduro Tobaccos. Blackened Cigars M81 by Drew Estate will be presented in beautiful copper-accented black 20-count boxes and debut in a 5x50 Robusto, 6x52 Toro, 7x50 Corona Doble, and a 5x43 Corona. For more information, please visit DrewEstate.com. So... On the road, Tobacco Grove, it's a beautiful, it, this is not the kind of weather we normally have in Minnesota this time of year, so I'm loving it. I don't know about you. Today and tomorrow, that's what we have. Yeah, today and tomorrow, and then then what, the high, the day then after that's going to be like, yeah, then yeah. basically it's over. Yeah, then life is over. So, Garrett, you are also on the road in I am. Um, Shanghai, is it? Yes, that yes. is correct. Otherwise known uh, as Chicago. Also known as Chicago. Yeah. Right on. Um, it's been a whirlwind the last, uh, you know, four days from Dallas back to Minneapolis, yeah. drive to Chicago. Um, get those miles up. Get those miles up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, your your Minnesota Vikings um, tried really hard to lose to the Bears, but the Vikings were victorious against the Chicago Bears. Uh, with a pretty pretty fun to watch, uh, you know, last play with that interception. That was pretty. That was pretty cool. Um, my Green Bay Packers. I just don't even want to talk about. I do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it was so. Let's, let's just stop there. Let's talk about. <laughs> it was so pitiful. I mean, the, the no, Chicago, you- or sorry, the the New York Giants. Who, by the way, the New York Giants are quietly four and one. One one. I mean, no. Anybody who said before the season started that the Giants were going to be four and one, you would have called them a liar. Period. So I, but the, I mean, hats off to the Giants. But yeah, the, the Packers played like absolute garbage. It was it was pitiful. Did you wake up for it? Matt? It was fun to watch. Jeff says, "What's that? Did you wake up for it? I woke. Yeah, I I, I watched the whole game. It was like okay. eight thirty. It like was only eight thirty. It's not. Yeah, it's like, not." I mean, I, I, I don't hit it that hard anymore. You know, but okay. back in the day, I, it would have been hard getting me out of bed at 830. But now it's, you know, you know, nature does I actually, I actually what like it does. Games. I like those early games. I don't mind it because then you get it out of the way. You got the rest of the day to do mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Yeah. So um, and then uh, NHL season starts uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, and then the wild open up at home against the Rangers on Thursday. So that's when the NHL season starts for the Minnesota Wild. Um, they look pretty good. I, I know I sound like a broken record when I say this. I really am going to miss Kevin Fiala. But I think overall we're going to have a decent team. We'll do what we always do. 
They're going to start the season really strong and then they're going to falter and then they're going to barely squeeze into the playoffs at the end of the season and they'll lose in the first round. It's going to be different this year. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, they're going to win the cup. They're going to win the cup. Yeah. All right. Jeff Hogan just called it. They're going to win. My, they're going, is, they're going to win the cup. Side is my mic really side hot? <laughs> I'm, would, going to, I'm going to need some odds, though, like 50 to 1. 50, yeah, yeah, you got to get odds on that. But I would I would be, like, off my rocker if, if the Wild won the cup. That would be so incredible. They are due. They, well, they are due. They are due. I mean, we we haven't made it. I mean, we made it to the the conference finals once, I think, ever. And that was what, 2002? Two? 20 years ago? Yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood. Or no, two, yeah, it might have been 2002. I think it was 2002. Uh, How do you even remember that? I, well, I could, because it's not important. This is the, if, you, if you're hitting first, you're last. This is the discussion my wife and I have is I, I can remember the most mundane details about n- nonsense. But when it comes to the stuff I actually have to remember on a daily basis, if it's not written down, oh, like where are your car keys? Yeah, pretty much. The They're in my hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Car's running. <laughs> oh man! So let's uh, let's jump right into uh, episode one seventy six. And um, also, just to let you guys know, I usually talk about this at the beginning of the show, uh, but make sure if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube right now, share us out. Let everybody know that we're live. Uh, share in the comments with us, if you would, please, what you're smoking and drinking along with us. Join the conversation. We're going to have a lot of cool stuff to talk about this evening. Uh, and get in there in the comments and, you know, let us know what's going on. Uh, well, I just got to bring up one person in the comments. Um, yeah, Ash, Ash Red uh, met in Dallas at uh, an event. Um, but I would like her to settle down on the Dallas sports situation, <laughs> um, especially since I'm still bitter from 1991. There's no way the North Stars should have ever moved from Minnesota, especially to Dallas. So, Agreed. you know, I love you, but you can suck it for, <laughs> for that one. You know, it took 10 years, 10 years for people in Dallas to even understand what was going on in the game of hockey. Yeah. They had, they, they had no idea what was going on. I don't, I don't, do they still? I, I don't know. I, I mean, when they scored a goal and the <laughs> horn went off, they all cheered and they didn't know what was going yeah, on. The, yeah. They saw other people stand there like, okay, I guess this is where I stand up and cheer now. <laughs> Damn you, Norm Green. Yes, Andrew. That is yes. damn you, Norm Green. Amen. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into the main segment of the show. And as always, the main segment on How About That Cigar Live is brought to us by our friends at Corona Cigar. Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars made with Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz knew it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Tampa, Lake Mary, and a new location coming soon to Sarasota. To learn more, visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. All right, and we are back here on How About That Cigar Live. And the official, I mean, we've talked already, but the official welcome to Tobacco Grove, Jeff Hogan, Crux Cigars. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) 
Yeah, oh nice man, to be here, guys. thanks for hosting us here. It's a, it, you know, it's it's uh, it's a great shop, great venue, and look at all these people here. I know we got a we got a crowd here. We got everybody. Hey, let's see. Yeah, we got a crowd here at Tobacco (laughs) Grove. We got a little herf going on with our friends in Minnesota. Um, You know, and it's uh, so I got to ask you this, and I'm pretty sure I already know the answer because you and I have talked about this a little bit. But when it comes to sports, you're you're a dedicated across the board Minnesota fan. There's no teams outside of Minnesota that you cheer for. Uh, as an adult, yes. As, <laughs> yeah. as an adult, yes. But when, I mean, when you I, were a kid, as a kid, you 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 cheer for teams that win, and as an adult, you just you get st- stuck so, in the same cycle of cheering for teams that continue to disappoint you, and that's okay. Yeah. But it's just it's life. Well, you learn as you get older. You learn loyalty. Yeah. You know, and you cheer for the the team that you love, no matter what, even when they suck. Like when you grew up, who was your favorite football team? I grew up in southern Indiana by the Ohio border, so I was a Bengals fan because we went to Reds games and Bengals games. Really? Yeah. I'm talking like a young kid, like when you're yeah. less than 10. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We were we were right in that area, so we would go to Reds games and Bengals games. I like the Steelers. Oh, really? Yeah, they won. They, they, won, they, they did won win. Football yeah. 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 Well, but, and I got to say, too, yeah. that I. Yankees fan? For sure. As a, as a young kid. You just I mean, this guy Raul's a huge Yankees fan. <laughs> Not anymore. Well, when when Not Kevin when, when, when Kevin Garnett went to the Celtics, I immediately became a Celtics fan because I was so frustrated with the Timberwolves. While I would never root against them or hate on them, I wanted Kevin Garnett to win a ring because he deserved one, and he went out and got it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's true. But I mean, I, I am a Wolves fan. I, I like the Wolves. I think. I mean, they've they've got a lot of great things happening. They've got a great team. They're uh, they're fun to watch, and um, it's a young team. But, yeah, yeah. But you're right. As an adult, right now. I, I I like Minnesota teams. Yeah, that's that's it. It's good for the economy. It's good for business. It's good for morale in this state. This is where I live, and um, you know, every other team can go. Uh, you know, well, I think the Wolves could be due for a, a better season this year. I mean, they had a they had they did good half. They did better. They did better last season than they have in a a very long time. Absolutely. So I think they could. And I, I, everybody knows I gave up on basketball a long time ago. But last year I started to watch again because Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I was just bored. But I started watching college hoops again. I started watching a little bit of NBA again. Not much, but I'm kind of maybe on the verge of getting back into it. I just gave up on it for. I think it was around 2002 I stopped watching. Um, and I, It's coming back. It's I think back. so. I think so. Um, but I think I think this year, just across the board in Minnesota sports, there's, there's going to be an upswing for a lot of the teams. The Vikings are playing great right now. I think the Wolves are due for a good season. I think the Wild are due for a good season. Right. The Twins had a terrible season that really wasn't expected, but there were a ton of injury problems and just I, I think there were problems with management this year. First half was good. First half was really good. First but half was great. I I think um, I think next year, if we don't keep um, uh, Luis Arias, who just won the batting title, I I think we're in for a downswing. We got to keep him. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. But I am going to fire up yes. my next cigar, and I am going to do so 
via the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Toast Cam. When lighting your cigar, it's important to be patient, pay close attention to detail, and focus on the tobacco. In the same way, Steve Saka brings those same qualities to the ultra-premium cigars of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From Sobra Mesa to Umbagog, Dunbarton has a blend that will fit your palate, your mood, and any occasion. Visit DunbartonCigars.com to learn more. So, uh, I'm impressed. Oh, oh, I'm yeah. in, I'm impressed right now. How do you memorize all that? I don't. That's why I've got the copyright. Oh, in front okay, of me. I, okay. Yeah, I got. I can't memorize. I got to read it off the copy. But that that's was, why I'm impressed. That was like walking and chewing because I gotta I gotta look at the cigar yeah. and make sure I don't like oh, I was hash the cigar all the way up the side of it and also look back and forth at the copy. So that that's about the most coordinated you're ever gonna see me because otherwise I'm a clumsy mess. Um so Jeff, we we checked in at um at the PCA trade show mm-hmm. a few months ago. Um, the big unveil uh, that you guys uh, are going to be coming out with is the Epicure Habano. Correct. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, the uh, production of that and, and what's what's going on with customers getting that in their hands. Sure. I mean, it's it's, it's it, so far um, it's been very well received. Our retail partners across the U.S. have uh, really gotten behind it very quickly, uh, even without smoking samples. Um kind of it, it really kind of makes us proud that we're doing some things right at least with our relationships with the retail partners um the the epicure habano rounds off the trilogy of the epicure line um you know you know the word epicure just kind of encompasses what a cigar smoker is yeah um and and you know appreciating the finer things in life so we started with the epicure which is our connecticut shade wrapper out of ecuador it's a level seven connecticut wrapper uh we we followed that with the uh, epicure maduro uh, made by AJ Fernandez with a San Andreas Mexican Maduro wrapper. Uh, and, um, you know, so those are built on the, you know, in the new Habano, which will be um, um, uh, a Jalapa wrapper. And so it's there. All three of those Epicure cigars are built on the same chassis, meaning the same filler, the same binder. Um, you know, it comes from a small region outside of Condega. Um, and, uh, Pueblo Nuevo is the actual region. It's a small farm, and uh, it's just a really flavorful tobacco. It's got some of the characteristics of Esli tobacco, some of the characteristics of Jalapa tobacco. Yeah, we found that that blend. You know, sometimes when I blend a cigar, it's you know, it's it, you know, you build it from the the top down. You know, so it's like you know, and sometimes you build it from the bottom up. And so right now the chassis is this same filler that we use through all three. And then we found that we can put pretty much any wrapper on the cigar, and it, it seems to be a, a pretty good blend. So the Epicure yeah. Bono will, will, will kind of round off that trilogy and the Epicure line, uh, which we hold the trademark for. And um, that comes out in November. Okay. Um, that, I mean, from everything looking out of the factory, they're producing them. I think we have the first 80,000 cigars built. We have another 80,000 following that. Uh, the first round of, for the first three four months will be about two hundred thousand cigars. Okay, um, that will that will barely take care of our initial orders of the Epicure Habano, um, and then uh, you know we hope to continue with that line uh, for months to come. But um, you know we have to we have to you know our company 
is at a point that we're selling every cigar we're making. So we really need to pick and choose blends that we can continue to produce with consistent quality. Yeah. And we can keep, you know, our main thing as a company is, you know, we, we focus on brick and mortar. We focus on our retail partners and you can't sell from an empty wagons. And there's nothing more frustrating from a retailer. Cause I now put my retailer hat on, uh, you know, you carry a, you carry a brand and, uh, a month later, you can't restock that. So you're you're moving your customer to a new brand, and then you can't you can't provide it. But yet you can buy it on the internet. You can buy it from alternate locations, and that's just not the that's just not the you know you know the mo of our company. Like we we want to yeah. make sure that once you carry a line, you can consistently get that line. Um, and we are very diligent in making sure that our warehouse is full down in Boca Raton, Florida, and that we're you know every month we talk about how many more accounts we can open. And um, that's kind of how we grow our company. But uh, we're excited yeah. for the Epicure bottle for sure. Absolutely. Well, and you you have the... Sorry, I don't have samples for you. No, it's all good. You you have the background, the retail background. So you know the what the what it feels like when, you, when you've got product that's selling pretty consistently and yet you have trouble getting it. Correct. So that's important. You know, you know what it feels like when you're in that position. So you want to keep your retail partners always in product yeah for us it's all about the retail partner the retail the brick and mortar retail stores are the ones that they they make the investment they you know they have they have space they have build out they have employees they have you know energy costs they have all these monthly operating costs and they're the ones on the front lines you know you know keeping our industry strong they're the ones that can grow our industry that can cultivate new customers that can grow the pie and um i'm not saying they, they online partners aren't a big part of our industry i'm just saying the backbone of our industry has always been and always will be brick and mortar retail stores so we're heavily focused on brick and mortar we'll always be heavily focused on brick and mortar um we constantly learn from our retail partners we're asking questions we're getting feedback and we want to know what we can do better as a company to provide a better product a better experience and a better relationship with those retailers and so um and then educate those retailers so you know they can transfer that information to the end consumer and um you know one by one the goal is just to, to get another customer another customer you yeah know? and every everyone is an important customer um you know so that's that's kind of what we do so jeff when when you are looking at launching a new brand let's take this habano for instance and you know you have the unique perspective where you've had a retail store but you're going to be launching this product. How do you decide how much to really invest in this new line as far as, um, you know, production levels? Sure. That's a great question. So, you know, we're at a point now that, um, you know, we have, we have enough distribution in the U S um, I wish to say, I, I wish I could say that we had enough production on our manufacturing partners to, open up every trade channel within our industry. But right now we're heavily focused on brick and mortar and will be for the next three years. Uh, we've been contacted by every international organization and distributor to carry the products as well. We just simply don't have enough inventory to do that. So, um, you know, we know how many accounts we have. We know what kind of support and what the sales trends are through those accounts. And so sales is always a function of distribution. And, you know, so we can match our distribution numbers uh, with prospective sales numbers if that makes sense yep yeah yeah so we kind of we kind of we, we we start with initial production for a load-in phase number one we got to load it into our retail partners 
we know that after the first two to three weeks, we're probably going to get a reorder uh, on that cigar as well because our retail partners and their staff are going to kind of talk about it, promote it, push it. And then, you know, so we know like order one, order two and order three and even order four. We kind of know what those look like. And so we kind of match our orders in, in, in it, with that, right? Um, you know, and we have to be careful because with our manufacturing partners, we're only allocated so much production on each of those factors. Oh, yeah. So we still got to keep in mind that we have, you know, all the other lines that Crux produces. And, you know, so every cigar I make of an Epic Urbano is maybe one less cigar I can make of something that we know is tried, true, tested, and selling already. So, um, you know, we, we kind of weigh all that out. We make our best educated guess. And, um, you know, that's kind of where we're at. So, um, so far, it's kind of working for us. But I think now that we have enough retail partners, we have a pretty good idea of, of where that's going. And, and we just came from the PCA show back in July where we actually launched the Epic Urbano. And um, we, like I said, without even having samples going out to these retailers, we had all of them on board. They're all on board. They're all ordering. Some ordered big. Some ordered uh, probably what they needed to order. And uh, we had very few that did not take the brand in because um, it's a new line. So okay. you know, we're very fortunate for that. So I want to I want to go back in time a little, um, specifically, you know, to the Epicure Maduro when it came out. But also it kind of ties into all the blends and the process that you go through when you're working with different fact, cause you've got different factory partners that do production for you. Right. So when you're, when you start putting together a blend, do you, do you have an idea for a blend and you go to multiple factory partners and have them put together their version of the blend for you and decide, or do you, when you have the idea for the blend, do you say, this is definitely coming from AJ or this is definitely coming from Placencia or whatever? Well, to this point, most of our cigars come from uh, Placencia. Yeah. Uh, I've got a very close relationship with the Placencia family. Uh, I've known them for many, many years, decades, actually. Yeah. And, you know, and AJ's been a great manufacturing partner because at the time I wanted to produce a Maduro cigar, Placencia just wasn't on a position to provide the right tobacco um, and didn't have the production. So AJ said, hey, you know, I know you. I'll help you out. I'll make that cigar for you. And he's done a phenomenal job as well. Um you know, long term, it, you know, our, the industry's the industry has done very well, you know, over the last few years, of course, as everybody knows. And, you know, the name of the game is factory capacity and production numbers. And everybody's fighting for that. And, um, you know, so we're looking we're constantly looking at um, other opportunities as well. Other manufacturing partners. There's several that have reached out to us and said, hey, we have capacity. We have tobacco. We have this. We have that. Um, I'm, I'm pretty loyal to the ones we have right now. Um, you know, I'm not saying that we won't use other people in the future for, for different projects. Um, you know, but you know, you look at Placencia, they have certain tobaccos, they do them very well. Um, you know, every factory seems to have a signature blend or a signature kind of flavor profile that they produce. And, and that's not us. We don't want to produce cigars that taste like anything else. So, um, even with Placencia, for example, we've brought in and purchased other tobaccos yeah. to use in our blends at, that are outside of what they they manufacture or they they uh, they produce, and um, and that that that's worked really well for us. And you know, so once again, we're we're very fortunate that with the manufacturer partners we have, um, 
I think I think short and long term capacity will free up a little bit in the industry. And, um, you know, we'll be able to take our company to the next level because that's really I, I have to tell you that that's the biggest thing. I don't say it's holding us back, but it's the biggest, you know, our our sales growth is completely dependent on our manufacturers uh, 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 production. OK. And, um, you know, and we've looked at having our own factories. I've talked to Nestor Placencia about doing a joint venture with our own factory. We look at all these different things all the time. Right now, we're we're making an, a lot of cigars and we're and, but we're making a lot of, I think, high quality cigars to our specification to our, you know, really if they can make them to the spec, the quality is there. Um, we're in no hurry. And I've always said this for years. We're in no hurry to like just sell every cigar we can to yeah. every trade channel and and you know i mean that's kind of easy we're we're looking at long-term brick and mortar building relationships yeah um and then producing high quality cigars for great experiences to the end consumer yeah so when you when you look at production numbers and sales numbers we all know and we've heard from from all kinds of retailers all around the country and all around the world really and so many different brand owners that obviously during lockdowns and you know for the last couple of years numbers have been way up people are there's a lot of new cigar smokers coming into the hobby uh and and existing cigar smokers are smoking more cigars are you seeing that number still stay kind of on the higher end higher than it was pre-2020 um or are you seeing it start to plateau well i think uh i don't, I don't know if i would say plateau for us um, you know, we're seeing a lot of people that, um, uh, obviously through, let's just call it what it is through the pandemic, they had a lot of free time. They were sitting on their deck in their patio and, um, now they have a laptop and a cigar and, and in their hand. Right. Yeah. And they, you know, so we're, we're seeing some of that and some of these people have to go back to work, but what we found is, um, there's, you know, there's just so many new cigar smokers and, you know, enjoying, you know, handmade cigars, they never have. People are taking the time to enjoy life. You know, uh, I think I think the last few years have shown us that we've been stressed as people more than we've ever have been in our lifetime. You know, anybody with kids, you kind of just explain it to their kids. You know, having your kids go through a pandemic, your kids going through, you know, staying at home and, and distance learning or whatever it is and lockdowns and wearing masks and all this stuff. None of us have had to ever experienced that. Yeah. And our kids have, so it's very stressful. But, um, you know, there's so many people that um, are just saying, you know what, I'm going to enjoy the outdoors. I'm going to be with people, you know, in a safe way. So they're smoking cigars outside um, or, you know, or cigar stores. I mean, cigar stores are actually a really good place to go. They, you know, with good air handling, you're exhausting the air. Um, you're not breathing the same air. You're just, you know, it's it's a really great place to enjoy cigars. Yeah. Um, people are enjoying more on the golf courses. You can see the golf courses are busier than ever. The, um, you know, people are boating. I mean, just they're just enjoying life. They're taking advantage of the outdoors and the time they have with family and friends. And, um, you know, so I think our industry is, 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 is doing really well. I also think that, you know, you look at some of the things economically that's happening, um, there'll be some changes, I think, in, in, in the short term of how what people are buying. Um, I believe our brand is 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 properly positioned in terms of a price point and its quality and its packaging and its look that, um, you know, will kind of will kind of 
weather any potential storm we, we may have in and you know last time i saw it was 2008 now i put the retailer hat back on um we still had we still had a great business back yeah. in 2008 and we, yeah. were, we were in the great recession uh you know some a lot of people weren't working but they were in the cigar stores and they were they were looking for friendship they were looking yeah. for um you know people to you know shoulder that stress they're looking for another monkey in the cage and um yeah. you know and so i i think i think our industry is here to stay it's strong we're building better cigars as an industry than we ever have and um you know i mean most of the most of the manufacturers um are just they're building great cigars and and that's and that's that's really fun for me to see because you know our our goal as a company isn't to take market share from anybody else that's been producing cigars generationally our goal is to try to create new experiences and involve more people and create a bigger pie for everybody to share. Yeah. And that's a good way to look at it. Cause you're right. There's, um, there's so many great companies out there. There's a lot of great factories. Um, and one of the things that I have, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll throw out a little bit of, you know, uh, accolades here, just from my personal experience, consistency is not always, something you find in the cigar industry you do see a lot of consistency with some brands where you know you buy cigar x or cigar b or a from whatever brand and every time you get that cigar or you get a box of those cigars it tastes the same but that's not always the case there are some brands that have problems with with consistency and i'm not going to name any of those brands but i will name crux as a brand that, that honestly and i've said this to a lot of people before that I appreciate the consistency. And I think part of that is if, uh, if you agree, the, the factory partners, you know, because pretty much every time you grab one of these, it's going to taste like the one you had last week or last month or last year. That's right. Yeah. And it makes a huge difference to, to, I think most consumers that you want to know that if you're going to spend that 10, 12, $18, uh, I, you want it to deliver the same way it's always has. That's right. You know, well, and I want to, I, I want to, sorry, Jeff, I'm going to interrupt for just a second because I, I want to touch on what Fraser Red had to say. Um, our good friend Red is a local guy in Minneapolis. Uh, Jeff, you've been a huge, obviously huge uh, help to him. I also received a text message just a short while ago from Angelo from Founder Cigars who told me to say hello and uh, thank you. And to make Hi, sure to mention that you were, um, you've always been outstanding for any help and uh, a mentor to them as well. So with all of these people, you know, locally and abroad, you've been uh, a great access. You know, you, you've made yourself available to so many people in the industry. And that's, that's important to us. Um, it's important to this industry and we appreciate it and we see it. And, uh, I'm, you know, so thank you from, from a consumer, from uh, media, um, you're a rock star to us in the, in, in, in the industry, truly. Thanks for saying it. I mean, the people you're talking yeah. about are, are phenomenal people and, and, and anybody that's willing to, I mean, the cigar business is a, <clears throat> it's a hard business to crack into. It's a hard business to stay into. We, we there's a lot of challenges when you're in that cigar business and, any, anyone that's willing to commit their time and resources, whatever those resources may be, 
to this industry and keeping it strong and, and, and growing it, um, you know, there's room for everybody in this industry and uh, we can all learn from each other. And um, I do appreciate you saying that. Um, but I also learn from these guys as well. I learn from, mm -hmm. you know, because of their challenges and whatever they're doing, I get to learn from that. Um, and, and, and together, uh, no different, those same guys, you know, uh, you know, I could go to them and say, Hey, this is, this is something that I'm experiencing. Well, you know, what do you guys think? You know? Um, so it, it's a two way street, you know? Um, you know, I, I appreciate you saying it, but I, like I said, it's a, it's definitely a two way street. I learned from those guys as well and, and, and helping in any way I can. It doesn't matter if it's a retailer and I've helped retailers around the country, open retail stores, not for a fee, but because it's the right thing to do. And, and if I can give back to the industry, I've been in it a long time. It's 29 years I've been in the industry. Um, you know, and so whatever I can share with people, whether they want to open a retail store, a cigar brand, um, you know, a, a membership club, whatever it is. I mean, you know, the advice is free. doesn't mean that it's all hundred percent accurate. It just means that it's free. Yeah. Well, as we look out, you know, cause the last time we, we talked here was literally like a week before lockdowns. I mean, we were, we were here and, you know, smoking together and having an interview here. And then all of a sudden, a week later, the government's like, eh, everything shut down. And then, you know, it was tough you know, from the social aspect of cigar smoking, you know, going to herfs or in-store events, stuff like that. You know, you miss some of that camaraderie, but you were able to do some of it virtually. Now, gradually over time, we're, we're seeing more and more ramping up uh, stores around the country, having in-store events. So what are you hearing from your sales force out there that are doing in-store events as far as attendance and kind of the vibe that's out there? That's a great question. I actually just had a long conversation with, uh, you know, my cousin Casey's the vice president of, of uh, Crux. Um, he's actually in uh, Venice right now, but we, we still had a two hour conversation. That's how committed he is to this industry and what we do. Uh, and, and that was a big part of it is making sure that our, our sales guys across the country are asking those questions and how retailers are doing. Um, and, but to answer your question, the initial feedback is the industry is strong. Um, you know, people, people, people are loving the cigars are loving the quality of the cigars, not just our brand, but all brands. Yeah. And, um, you know, and the brands that are in the humidors that consistently can supply that, that retail partner are doing really well. And uh, yeah. the ones that are having those other issues are maybe struggling a little bit, but eventually they'll catch up. And so there's a number of challenges through what's happened in the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to tell you, packaging is a big issue for a lot of retailers. Or, I'm sorry, for a lot of manufacturers. Yeah. Package is a big, you know, so. And is that still going on? I mean, is even it, now like supply chain and packaging? It will. And you start looking at, you start looking at uh, wood cigar boxes. I mean, that's one thing that is going to be a challenge for years to come. And it's and the availability of the, the material itself to build a wood box, the hinges, I mean, all these things are, are extremely difficult. And the cost is going, it's just getting higher and higher and higher. So we've made a complete pivot and we will uh, going into 2023 for our packaging for our company. Yeah. Men, men have been struggling with their packages for years. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I mean, it sounds like a personal problem. You may want to talk to somebody about that. I will. I, I will. Um, I, I, I I can give you names of a few doctors. You know, if you okay. need if you I'll need a that. hand with that. Thanks, man. <laughs> You're so inappropriate. This, this guy, I can't. He's 
he's I can't take him anywhere and he's like 600 miles away that's why I love him <laughs> um so uh you know the core lines um you know we've got a bunch of them lined up here um you know just take us through you know performance on the core lines um you know epicure you're smoking right now the original epicure um still still one of my favorites that i smoke often so how are the core lines performing out there what are you hearing from your sales guys yeah that's a great question you know core lines are are doing extremely well and i believe that you know any brand that wants to truly build equity within their brand needs to focus on core lines you can't get too uh, you know off on the tangents of too many limited editions and too many different things you really have to focus on building equity in the core lines and so if you your best your best customers are people that can find one of your core lines in a store they can consistently get it at that store it's not back ordered and the, and that quality remains yeah. the same and so we focus heavily on core lines we're not a, we're not a company that comes out with new new stuff every day um, I look at the sales reports. I look at some of the analytics of our core lines, and uh, I can tell you that it, it, they're all doing extremely well. Um, there's some that are doing better than others. The Epicure is actually at the top. You know, uh, Bull and Bear is a very close second. Epicure Maduro is very close after that. You know, Gill's very close after that. So we don't really we we just don't have any dogs in our core lines. They're all doing well. If one of them became a dog, we're gonna we're gonna extract or we're gonna delete it from the from our for our lineup for at this point they're doing extremely well and so we created our core lines with um the understanding that we wanted the retail our retail partners to be able to take any cigar smoker based on the strength and some of the flavor profiles and some of their their criteria of what they like in a cigar and we can go through the lineup and we can find something that that we can match with them you yeah know? and um and that's and that's where we're at and so we'll you know, like I said, we have the Epicure Habano. We have some new projects coming over the next few years, which are probably lim more limited and rare and more fun because um, I think you need that. You know, unfortunately, in our industry, if you're if you're not coming out with something new, if you're not coming out with a limited edition, you're just kind of out of sight, out of mind. People aren't talking about it. Um, and so it's important to have some of those, but it's certainly not our focus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so you, you actually segued nicely into something that, I want to know about and um you know as a as a crux fan going back to close to the very beginning of of the brand you know there are there are a couple things that are you know that were around in the beginning that aren't around anymore mm -hmm. so can you know for those of us who were fans of the passport and the ninfa and the sports any of those that possibly maybe someday we might you know see uh I know. I'm sorry. I had to. I had well, to. Uh, listen. So, <laughs> the Nymphomaniac is a was a very difficult cigar to produce. Yeah, we produced it, and I, and I'll just I'll, I'll say the way it is. Like we produced that cigar because we knew it would get attention. Yeah, and and it did that. You know, as far as how many Nympha smokers are in the U.S., it's probably a low percentage. You know, how many sports smokers are in the U.S. is probably a low percentage. Um, and, and the Skeeters as well. They're, I feel like they're all really good small format cigars. The blend is right. Uh, they burn good. They, they, they consistently made. Um, but the, the real answer is it's a very thin margin for our company. Right. Uh, so to, to allocate 
a lot of production capacity to those low margin products are very difficult. We will keep the, the Nympha out there. We still produce it in uh, some quantity. The others, uh, sports and skeeters, um, you know, it's a handmade product. Yeah. And so uh, you know, it's not like these other tins and these other cigars that you find in every humidor across the country that are made by machine that are, uh, you know, that's that's just different. That's not what these are. These are handmade products. Um, so th those will be tough. You'll see them here and there. We produce them in small quantities. We do we do match those products with some of our retail partners that that asked for them yeah as far as the passport the passport personally is one of my favorite blends that we've ever done um you know but the passport was blended in the ring gauges that it came out in. Mm -hmm. so understand that in the u.s u.s smokers predominantly would like 50 to 60 ring gauge cigars right and that doesn't exist in the passport line yeah the passport will come back at some point um, that makes me smile. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the passport, the you know, the passport when we originally produced it was a magical cigar. It had mm -hmm. it had an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. That wrapper was was uh was a finished product that we bought, at, you know, as in, in terms of the material. Right. And then um we built the cigars. One of my favorite blends, by far one of my favorite blends. Um and you know, and then uh Placencia and and I took some tobacco in from ecuador we process it we didn't process it i think probably the right way probably too high of a temp okay um it, it got had a little bitterness to it um so third and fourth batch of the passport weren't probably to what i would say is a is a great cigar we learn from that we're working on it i'll just tell you it, it, you know we're working on it it will come back because i do love the passport particularly in that corona gorda size the Corona size, um, even even that Lancero or Lonsdale size, but that's where that cigar really performs. Yeah, um, and I that's that's the first one that I like to come back in the lineup. Yeah, very cool. That makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, you talked a little bit about um, you know some some people who have uh, you know sent shout outs like Angelo from Founders and things like that. You know, when you, like you said, you've been in the business uh, 29 years. So obviously in that time, you've had a lot of people who have come alongside you and mentored you, whether it's from the retail side or when you started the brand crux from the brand side and blending and all those things. A lot of people, you know, gave you gave you good advice and still do to this day. What what does that mentor relationship mean now that you get to in some way go on the other side of it and be a mentor to somebody else. And like you said, you give away advice for free, you know, what, talk to us a little bit about that mentor relationship. When, when you see somebody coming to you saying, Hey, could you give me some advice on this? Cause I'm yeah. struggling. Well, I've had, I've had mentorship both within the industry and I've had mentorship in business in general. Yeah. Um, you know, some of my best mentors are people that, yeah, they may like cigars, but they're more business mentors and, and how to create process and how to create, you know, the structure of a company um, and how to create, you know, brand equity and, and build brand equity. Those are the things that are most important, the, you know, as far as, you know, distribution and, you know, pitfalls and, um, you know, things to look out for certainly within the industry. Those many, you know, there's certain manufacturers that have really, 
you know, and, and I'm saying most manufacturers, uh, it could be Rocky or, you know, Alan Rubin from, you know, Alec Bradley. It could be, you know, even, you know, Skip Martin has been a great friend and a great mentor early on when I went from the retail side to the manufacturing side. I mean, you name it, they've all, they've all been very supportive in what I do. Yeah. Um, so I match. So I've been very, very fortunate. My mentors, uh, both within the industry and with outside the industry. And, um, you know, that combination has really allowed me to really hyper-focus on what we need to do as a brand, what we need to do in terms of building a company long-term. Yeah. You know, we're definitely, and I, I've said that, you've probably heard it a number of times from other people within our company, we are definitely not a short-term company. Um, you know, we are, um, we are, I, we, we, we look for properly positioning our companies, our relationships. Um, and, you know, we build, we build our company decade by decade, not year by year. And, you know, um, and I, and I've, you know, I've mentioned it before, you know, I, I went to this conference in, um, it was in Nebraska, I believe it was in Omaha. It was called do more good. And we're sitting at this round table and there's all these people there and they're talking about how everything's interconnected in the world. And, um, you know, and then, you know, they said, okay, think about your company and then think about your life. Think about longevity in your family. Think about um, the impact you want to make, you know, all these different things, you know. So you, you know how long people live in your family. You know your current age. How many decades do you have left to build your company and do more good within your industry? Yeah. And I'm sitting at a table with a bunch of young people and they're, you know, and, and they, put a, they put a bowl of marbles on the middle of the table. And there's probably eight of us at the table that I'm in. And they said, for every decade you think you have left to make an impact, make a difference, grab one marble, right? Wow. I'm looking at all these young people, and they're grabbing a handful of marbles. Yeah. You know? <laughs> now, it gets to me, I don't have a lot of longevity in my family. I'm 51 years old. I'm thinking, God, do I grab two marbles? I mean, would three be too much, you know? And they all have handfuls of marble, you know? And it just made me realize that, you know, every decision we make, it isn't for me. It's for... You know, and I, as you know, I have family that work for my company. I have two cousins and, and, the, and the other people that work in our company have become family. And I yeah. want this company for them. You know, they're younger than I am. I want them to grow the company. I want them to be a piece. I want them to have ownership in the company. Um, and, you know, so um, uh, once again, it's just it's been I've really learned from some great people within the industry, outside the industry. And, um, you know, I'm blessed in that. And yeah. And um and that's kind of a big reason for our success. It's nothing that I've done. It's not my mind. It's just, it's, it's utilizing the minds of other people. And, if, and once again, if I can pay that forward, because that's what every mentor that I've ever had, you know, I thank them and I say, thank you. What can I do for you? And they say, all you got to do is pay it forward. Yeah. And that says a lot, you know, that you, you take that and you, you give it away to other people who, um, you know, come to you honestly and sincerely and are looking for um the knowledge that you've gained over the years that says a lot so you know cheers to that thanks um so garrett i have a question for you yes is it is it time oh yes are you sure i think it is time all right it is now time for this week's numero de los muertos And as always, Numero de los Muertos brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. 
right. Numero de los Muertos, episode 176. Garrett, what do you have for us this week? All right. So for all of our Googlers, I'm just going to say that this will be a simple Googler. All right. And so Garrett, you... Garrett said, I'm, and I'm going to feel because we got a live audience here. So Garrett yep. says for all of those Googling, this is going to be a very easy one to Google. So don't, so, spoil, don't spoil anything. Correct. If you <laughs> if you feel you need to Google this, yeah. fine. That's just what it is. Yeah. Don't, we'll, we'll say don't the honor guess. system. Let's not yep. Google this one. But if you have to Google, keep it to yourself. There it is. <laughs> All right. Go All ahead. right. The year is 1814. The year okay. is 1814. And eight people died from this incident. And eight people died from this incident incident okay as always viewers on facebook and youtube if you have guesses leave them in the comments all of us here are going to try to play 20 questions to figure out what on earth garrett's talking about what so eight people in 1814 died in this incident correct all right it is not a wagon crash stacks. <laughs> Does it have to do with construction? It does not. No construction. Um, was it in the U.S.? Um, it is not in the U.S. Not in the U.S. It is not a fire. It is not the Donner Party. It wasn't the London fire. Um, was it a fire? It wasn't a fire. Okay. Was it in Europe? It is in Europe. It happened in 1814 in Europe. Um, 1814 in Europe. Um, beer, just beer. It's something, it to, do with, something to do with beer. Yeah, oh, I, so. think, I think I know what it is. I think I know what it is, but I'm not going to give it away. So it's something yep. 1814 in Europe, it has something to do with beer. Yeah, red. Uh, so Ash got it. Where where does it say that? So it was. Do you know it, Matt? Well, I I don't know the specifics. So somewhere in uh was it was it Belgium? No, it was in London. London. Okay. So there was a brewery. Wasn't it that all their casks like split open and flooded the streets or That's something? Exactly like that? right. Yeah. yeah. And eight, eight people died in that. Eight people drowned in eight, beer. Eight people drowned in beer. Hey, what a way to go! I mean, three hundred and twenty-two <laughs> gallons. Three hundred twenty-two gallons. Three hundred twenty-two gallons. I don't know that. That doesn't seem like doesn't a, seem like a lot. That doesn't seem like a lot. Not I mean, if you're, if you're like flooding a street, I mean, maybe it was just the brewery. That flooded, not not like the street, because three hundred twenty-two gallons going down a street. That's that's. It says it flooded the town, and eight people drowned in the beer or died from their injuries as a result of being swept away. Holy cow! I don't know. Three twenty-two doesn't seem. Three hundred twenty-two. I mean, I, I can drink. I can drink three hundred twenty-two gallons in a in a weekend. Three hundred twenty-two thousand. Oh, thousand. Okay, that. Oh, okay, well, okay. that's different. All right. That that changes. Three hundred twenty-two thousand gallons yeah. of beers. That's a lot. A lot different. A lot yeah. Wow. 
322,000 gallons of beer. That's like... How many gallons in an Olympic swimming pool? Oh, that's that's a good... How many gallons are in... Somebody Google this quick. How many gallons of water are in an Olympic-sized swimming pool? Um, I'm curious to see how close that is to 322,000 gallons. Um, I mean, 322,000 gallons in beer, that's like two hours at the Budweiser plant. 500,000 in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. So that's... So there's, I mean, it's still 322,000 gallons, still a lot of beer. So three quarters of an Olympic-sized swimming pool, yeah. Oh, and if you're talking London in 1814, you got super narrow streets, a yeah, bunch yeah. of stone buildings that all, yeah, mostly and people And of course, they're, get, they're getting low, they're stopped dropping and drinking, <laughs> and then they're going yeah, to get swept away. Yeah, they're, they're doing the dog paddle, getting a couple gulps, and then next yeah. thing you know, they're, yeah. they're gone. It's too much beer. Yeah. <laughs> There is too much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing. All right. So that was this week's Numero de los Muertos. All right. So we have some fresh lightning round questions from last time we were here, Jeff. Um, So when you were a kid or a teenager, who was a celebrity that you had a big time crush on? As a kid, yeah, or or a teenager, uh, that that definitely uh, like Kim Basinger. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a quality choice right there. Yeah, that is. Um, if uh, if you could add any person to Mount Rushmore, they don't have to be a president or a founding father. Any person, add their face to Mount Rushmore. Who would it be? Any person to Mount Rushmore. Oh, I would probably say, I don't know if it'd be another presence. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, um, now I would have to say Tom Brady. Tom. Gotta be Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Raul, Raul's over here choking on his own spit. <laughs> hey, I like sister and smoke. Uh, she said Prince. Prince. And I don't know. Prince or Tom the, Brady. I don't know. The, I don't know. I don't know. Prin- Prince doesn't have seven Super Bowl rings. It's, it's seven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just you has know, a million you know, gold records. You know, if anybody's a Brady fan, I, I, and I'm not like a huge Brady fan, I just I like he's he's got a little dorkiness to him. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you know, I know he's going through a difficult time right now, but he, but some some way somehow like he's got seven super bowl rings yeah is that is that him is that the team is that the coach is is it you know i don't know what it is but you know then he goes down to tampa bay and he wins another super bowl i know know? i mean that's that's just what's it's insane well people play at a higher level i'm a little concerned about our friend quentin saying he's having he has fantasies about tom brady yeah Oh no! Sorry, I got the, I got Brady on my fantasy. That's dead. well. It's probably a little bit of both, Quentin. If we're being honest, I mean, you could be honest, be honest, bro. It's okay. You could go either way with that. You, you really could <laughs> yeah. go either way with that. Tommy um, Kramer. Oh my gosh, that's funny. All right, hey, so Tommy Kramer. Tommy Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. Tommy Kramer. So, uh, Garrett hit. Hit Jeff with uh, with our last lightning round question. All right, Jeff. <clears throat> the zombies are coming. Okay. 
you get to pick three industry people, cigar industry people, to be on your zombie apocalypse survival team. Who do you pick and why? And I'm going to say for everybody here who can't hear. So the, the question is, uh, the zombie apocalypse is coming and you get to choose three cigar industry people to be on your zombie horde defense team. So, Jeff, who are you going to pick? Hmm. These are great questions. I'm going to say number one, I'm going to pick Pete Johnson. Love it. Uh, Pete is, I'm going to say it, Pete, he he understands zombies. Um, <laughs> he does understand he, he zombies. Lives his, he lives that zombie life. <laughs> And he just, he'll know what to do. He's the first person I'm going to, for yes. sure. Like, yes. He'll know what to do. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, as far as number two, it may be, I'm going to say Alan Rubin. I, you know, Alan Rubin to me is just, he, like I said, he's been a mentor for me, but he's a guy that he just, he's, he's reasonable, he's practical, he's a planner. He will come up with a plan that we can defeat the zombies, <laughs> you know? Well, and it looks like the Wi-Fi at Tobacco Grove has has gone down. So it's all good. Just a there little. Go. Uh, it's all good. So, so the last one you said was Nish Patel. Nish Patel. He's he's a, he's the third one. Nish Nish Nish. I listen. I. I know Nish. He's like he's like family to me. We spent a lot of time together. We we've gone to places that you can't smoke cigars, and he just he's a problem solver. He gets it done. He finds a way, and he just finds a way. <laughs> he just finds a way. You know, and he and he's good with it. You know, he opens his arms and he goes, "Zombies come at me. I'm I got you." You know, and you know he'll take it. So I don't know. You guys have anybody else? I mean, I always, I, I always go for guys that I know are really into guns. Guys who yeah. have a lot of guns. Skip Martin, Matt Booth. Matt Booth. But I have a lot of guns. Well, then you're good. Yeah, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, doesn't I'm Hochi have a? a doesn't Hochi have a plane? Hochi does have a plane. Hochi, yeah, Hochi Blanco has a plane. So that's a good. To fly away from the zombies, or to yeah. fly towards yeah, them? fly to a zombie-free island. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but then they're just—they're gonna—they're gonna like replicate and duplicate, and they're just oh. gonna keep growing. See, and eventually they're gonna get you. He's you always—he's always planning. Yeah. Jeff is always is. planning. You know, you get—you gotta—you gotta hit a zombie <laughs> head on. You can't wait for them. You can't like distance yourself. You gotta go at them. I like it. I, I like love it. this. Face it head on. All right, so let's jump into. What is next? Oh my gosh, I'm so. And we have to do the J.C. Newman read. I'm so out of my. Oh yeah, the J. I totally forgot the J.C. Newman read. So let's do the J.C. Newman read. My fault. Uh, so J.C. Newman Cigar Company is America's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker. Creators of the popular Brickhouse, Perla Del Mar, Diamond Crown, and the American J.C. Newman operates out of their 112-year-old El Relo Cigar Factory in historic Cigar City. Tampa, Florida. For more information on their cigars or their visitor experience, 
please visit jcnewman.com. Thank you guys for reminding me of that. Um, I, you, it, seriously, you take me out of the studio. I like forget everything uh, that I'm supposed to do. Uh, so now it is time for this week's Notable Smokable. And Notable Smokable, as always, brought to us by our friends at Luciano Cigars. Notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose. Uh, so, Jeff, each week we name a cigar that we smoked recently that was notable to us. It could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we just smoked for the first time in a long time, or a cigar that was uh, the first time for us. Obviously, you're smoking a lot of truck stuff, but is there anything outside of your brand you smoked recently that really caught your interest? I smoked the new, um, I smoked the new Freud. Oh, yeah. Um, loved it. I loved it. I've heard a lot of good things. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I, I appreciate cigars from every manufacturer. Freud's been a good one. I've been a huge fan. I've been a huge fan of Atterby, Byron, um, you know, and I, and I look, I look at cigars, not by price, but I look by, I look at it by experience. And those three cigars, the, the Byron, the Atterby, I know that's the same company, but in Freud, every time I've smoked one and I've had several, the, this, it, they're consistent. They burn for a very long time. They're um, they're just the smoking experience and the you know and value to me has nothing to do with price. It has to do with the smoking experience. Yeah. In the amount of time you smoke one of those Atabies and Byrons, it takes you, you know, twice as long in a in a, in a similar shape from a different brand. Yeah. Um, they just they've just been great. I mean those those brands have been spot on. But I have to say, most other brands are producing some really great cigars as well and. Um, I could name just about all of them and, yeah. and they're, you know, the, the quality of, of product that's in a humidor when you go to your favorite brick and mortar is the best. I feel the best it's ever been in our industry. Yeah, there is good quality these days, fortunately, um, because even with the increased demand, the quality, yeah. because we saw increased demand back in 2000, uh, I'm sorry, in 1995, six and seven, um, some brands, uh, you know, Padron, Fuente, even Davidoff back then, they, they, they maintain their quality. Other ones, it's a lot of it kind of fell off. Yeah. But right now, I think everybody's producing the, 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 you know, it's just, it's, there isn't a lot of room for air right now. Yeah. There's, 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 there's guys like you that have these, you know, their, their podcasts, there's online reviewers, you know, there's. There's instant feedback on everything that comes out of a humidor, and there's just there's just not a lot of room for error. Right yeah, now. that's and true. So, you know, I and I think and I know manufacturers understand that and and um, and produce high quality product because of that. Yeah, uh, Garrett, what was your uh, notable smokable this week? Well, I was honored to uh, go down to Dallas uh, to an event at Renegade Cigars. Um, for an Adventura event. Um, Adventura sent me down there in place of Henderson, which was a huge honor. Uh, obviously Henderson dealing with uh, the factory that uh, burnt down just a, a couple weeks ago now. And um, I was able to smoke the, um, the 12th anniversary um, house blend for Renegade that Henderson makes for them. Nice. Um, so while they're figuring that out, I will continue to, to say that um, this cigar actually left the factory two days before it burned down. And you're back. 
So I was just I was just saying that uh, that cigar actually left the factory two days before it burnt down. Oh my god! Um, oh wow! And um, that's their twelfth anniversary blend. That's their twelfth anniversary blend. It was a, a broadleaf cigar, and it was incredible. Um, I was gifted one. They sold out of that cigar in thirty-two minutes. <laughs> so so. Garrett's talking about his notable this week. He a uh, shop called Renegade. It's in the Dallas area. Garrett. Yep. Yep. So Renegade Cigars, uh, Henderson Ventura, whose Aventura factory just burned down, they shipped out their 12th anniversary cigar made just for Renegade Cigars in Dallas, and they how many cigars were shipped, Garrett? Um, it was it was 50 boxes of 10. So 50 oh, wow. 10 count boxes sold out in 32 minutes. So that's, uh, yeah. And I mean, that it. sadly, you know, the factory is no more and I'm sure they'll, they'll rebuild, but they really, they, they have a good reputation for quality and consistency. Which uh, ironically is the same yeah. factory that Freud is, was made at. Correct. Yeah. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, uh, they're rebuilding um, at uh, his dad's factory right up the road and they're going to be able to tread some water uh, yeah. while they, while they expand. But, uh, phenomenal cigar. So nice. So you're at Renegade with Brandon and yeah. 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 He's nice. He's top notch. Dude. He's, he's a great guy. No, he's a phenomenal guy. He's a great retailer. He know <laughs> the thing about Brandon, like he's, he, he's a great retailer, but he also, he knows tobacco, he knows blends. And so it's no surprise that anything that goes to that shop, is of the highest quality. It really is. He, yeah. he yep. does a great job. Um, so my my notable this week was actually um, the Don Carlos, uh, so uh, an Arturo Fuente product, the Don Carlos Edición de Aniversario Toro. Long cigar name. Uh, but I love mm -hmm. the Don Carlos as it is, but that like ramped up, you know, Aniversario version is just, insane the great, cedar great. you know the cedar sleeve they put on it really adds a lot to it um i mean obviously you remove it before you smoke it but that cedar essence really plays out through the whole cigar i, I just love that cigar yeah that's a good one um so that was this week's notable smokable brought to us by luciano cigars improving lives through fine cigars please visit lucianocigars.com to learn more uh, so to give our viewers and listeners an idea of some cool stuff we have coming up in the next few weeks, uh, next week on the 17th, we have from Luciano Cigars, Luciano Morales from uh, Luciano Cigars. So tune in for that episode. And then following that, uh, the last show of October, uh, maybe the last show of October, we're thinking about doing a little fun thing on Halloween because our show lands on Monday, the 31st Halloween. We're thinking about doing a little fun, fun thing that day. Stay tuned. Uh, but on the 24th, we have Alec Cuevas from Casa Cuevas Cigars. Uh, so, Jeff, if you would, give our viewers and listeners an idea. Where's the best place for them to keep up with everything going on with Crux Cigars? Best place would be through our social media platforms, for sure. Um, and, then, and then our website. We, we've uh, CruxCigars.com. We, uh, you know, we, we make, we're making some changes. We're... Um, uh, We've, we've got a lot of new things, like I said, coming out next year. Um, we know we've talked about the Epicure Habano. Yep. Um, and then, um, you know, but through so social media platforms, that's probably the best way. That's that's our 
that's our real time, you know, um, information push. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, well, first of all, I want to give a huge thank you to Rick and Cole and the team here at Tobacco Grove for keeping the lights on for us. Uh, and we, and thank you to all our studio audience. Let's give a little shout out. Woo! And thank you so much, Jeff, for sitting down with us again and uh, talking Crux Cigars. And we wish you a fantastic close to 2022 and, and keep pushing, man. Of course. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks for listening. Thank you for everything. Absolutely. Well, our viewers and listeners, thank you so much for being the best part of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much for joining us live on Facebook and live on YouTube. If you have any questions, you can email us on the website, howaboutthatcigar.com. Be sure to follow us on all social media at HBT Cigar. Find us on your favorite audio podcast platform. And until we see you guys next time, burn cigars. Not bridges. See you guys. Thanks. Thanks, everybody.